Well, hi there, and welcome to Connect, the weekly podcast of the California MBA featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Susan Malazzo, CEO of the California MBA, and I'm very happy that you can join us today. Before we get to today's guest, I'd like to thank our Connect podcast sponsor, Incelerate. Thanks, Susan, and thanks for listening. This is Josh Wren, CEO and founder of Incelerate. We're grateful for our partnership with the CMBA and are committed as a company to help lenders close more loans. We do this with our customer experience platform that has a CRM, lead management, marketing, automation, robust content library, desktop and mobile applications. We do this to help you engage and stay connected to your current borrowers, referral partners, past borrowers, and potential new ones. If you want to find out why we're the fastest growing CRM provider in the mortgage industry, please reach out to us and ask for a demo. Okay, thank you, Josh. And that brings me to today's guest. I am very pleased to welcome to Connect um, Gary Bechtel with Red Oak Capital Holdings. Good morning, Gary. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, I always like to start uh, our podcasts out with just a little bit of background. It's always very interesting to hear how people got into the industry. So how did how did you land in this crazy business? Yeah, well, it's it's a crazy way. So before I got into commercial real estate, I was in a completely unrelated field. I was in the marine industry, not the Marines with a gun, but the Marines as in yachts and what have you. I used to, in my youth, I used to do a lot of competitive yacht racing. I was very fortunate to compete at a pretty high level, um, did some America stuff, Cup stuff, did a couple Olympic campaigns, did a number of national and world championships. Uh, so that's um, what I was doing before I got into this business. But I was looking around and I was seeing, you know, all these guys that I was sailing with or sailing against. And I'm like, these guys are doing really well, right? They're making pretty good money. They own these yachts. Um, what's the common denominator here? Well, the common denominator, they were all involved in some aspect of real estate, residential real estate, commercial real estate, development, finance, sales, leasing, et cetera. And I'm like, well, I can do this. I'm just as smart as all of these guys. Um, so at the time I was sailing with a gentleman named Jim Warmington from Warmington Homes. And, um, you know, I was kind of imparting this information onto Jim. He's like, well, I'd be happy to sit down with you and, you know, explore it. And, you know, maybe I can make some introductions. So that's how I got in. Jim, Jim Warmington, um, you know, was kind enough to make some introductions, set up some meetings. And uh, one thing led to another, and 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 here I am, you know, 36 years later. Wow, it's like all about relationships, right? It's like who you always know is. and getting always in. Is. It's always it's always that way. It's always that way. So you know, Gary, you and I have known each other for several years, and uh, and recently you joined Red Oak. So I'd be mm-hmm. interested to know kind of what drew you to that company. Um, you know, it's interesting, right? So I I have been for depending how you say it, right? Fortunate, unfortunate. Um, to to be involved in the building, expansion, retooling of platforms over the years, be they mortgage banking platforms or specifically probably the last 20 years, 22 years or so on the lending side. Um, so I was drawn to, to Red Oak. I was, uh, at the time, I was president of Money360 and I just, I'd spent the last five years building that business from, you know, I got there in August of 2015. There were six of us. They had done about 
$25 million of total volume um, you know, prior to, to my getting there. And we had a pretty good run uh, until COVID hit. We had done uh, over $1.8 billion of, of total fundings. We had done successfully a couple of CRE CLOs. We had grown the business from six people when I started to 39 or 40 people between the production side of the business and the fund side of the business. So it was a good run. Um, and then COVID hit and the, and the business stopped as did a lot of businesses at, at that point in time. So we were actually um, interacting with and had been interacting with Red Oak prior to COVID hitting um, and uh, you know, sending them loans or, or, or you know, they were sending us loans, et cetera. So I knew the guys at Red Oak already. Um, and when we essentially exited the market, um, they circled back to me and said, look, we, we, want to we want to do what you did at Money360. Would you be interested? Um, so look, long story short, as difficult as it was to leave Money360 because that was, uh, you know, that was my baby. I mean, the, the analogy I used with 360, and, and I, you know, it's a great business. I still have friends over there. I wish them well. Um, but the analogy that I'll use with Money360 is it's a lot like taking your kid to college. Right, you watch them be born, you watch them grow up, uh, and one day you drive them to school, and you drop them off, and you drive away, and you look at it in the rearview mirror, and all you can do is wish them well, but you really can't, you don't have any effect on the business anymore. So um, it was tough to leave, but it was the right decision uh, for me for a bunch of different reasons. But it was really that I wanted to take that last step up the rung and, and become a CEO and be able to impart my um, direction. Um, and, and knowledge that I've gained over all these years in building, you know, another business, yet another business, right? Blood for punishment. Um, right. And it's been fun. I mean, it's, you know, it's not without its challenges. Any business that you build is, you know, has its good days and it's, and it's not so good days. Um, but it's been a good run. I just celebrated two years here. Um, we've doubled the size of the company. We've gotten great traction in the business. And that's a testament to um, our employees and, and the people, and some of which work for me at Money360, so clearly they are buttons for punishment to, to come back and do another tour of duty with me. Um, but it's, they knew but, what they were getting into. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's kind of a known, right? It's an un, unknown versus an unknown. But yeah, it's um, it, it's been it's been a lot of fun. But what drew me to it was was quite honestly, it was um, you know, we had done. I, I think I, I got into Money360 where it was you know pretty self-sufficient and operating. And it was kind of, it, it, it wasn't pooping its diapers anymore. It was it was riding a tricycle and, and getting along pretty well. Um, so I was looking for the next opportunity. And, you know, again, we we knew the Red Oak guys. I knew the Red Oak guys from my dealings at 360. And and so, you know, after um, talking to them and seeing what they wanted to do, and which is consistent with what the um, uh, Evan Gentry, who was the CEO of Money360, brought me on to do there, there I am. That's great. And congratulations on such a uh, big success in, in just two short years. It yeah, like it's been two years, but darn it, it has. You know, time flies when you're having fun. I mean, who would have who would have thought you're going to take over a business right smack in the middle of a pandemic? Oh, my gosh. Um, right. Had you yeah. not, my word, my word. And to have that kind of growth. I mean, and the last couple of years have been, uh, you know, have been uh, have been busy. Uh, 2022, you know, we're entering very, very tough market. Uh, what uh, what asset classes do you see faring maybe better than others over the next 12 months? Look, the, the Golden Children continue to be multifamily and industrial. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going a trend that's going to continue. 
uh, for a bunch of different reasons. Um, but I've been actually pleasantly surprised at how fast um, hospitality rebounded. I really thought the hospitality was going to be a bloodbath, you know, after what happened during the early days of the yeah. pandemic. Um, and even retail, uh, <laughs> set malls like, aside, oh. set outlet centers aside, because that whole business has changed pretty dramatically, you know, and, and it was already changing before before uh, COVID hit. So, um, you know, we focus on the core food groups and, and that's always kind of, you know, we're not doing specialized properties. We're not doing bowling alleys or land or something like that. And there's plenty of guys in the business that will do that. And, and you know, that's their niche. Um, but we try to focus at Red Oak on the core food groups. So the office, retail, industrial, multifamily storage, uh, manufactured housing, mixed use and hospitality. Um, and so, and, and we're lending nationwide and we're lending in, you know, primary, secondary, and even tertiary markets where it makes sense. Every deal kind of has to stand on its own. But yeah, I think to answer your question, I think industrial and retail, excuse me, industrial and multifamily will continue to be the darlings. Um, um, you know, there's some great opportunities in, in self-storage and manufactured housing. If you can find them, that's just a very different beast. You know, office clearly has experienced uh, it, it's uh, it's good and it's and it's bad um, during the during the pandemic. The the urban markets, the downtown cores have experienced pretty significant changes, uh, and that's I think still ongoing. By the way, um, yeah. most of the most of the office that we've done has been in suburban markets, and that actually outperformed urban markets uh, during the pandemic. So I'm I'm you know happy of, of where we are positioned in that space. Um, you know, retail, it just, it really depends on where it is and what it is and who the tenancy is. I mean, the, the smaller retail deals, excuse me, um, haven't been as, as affected, I guess, as the, as the malls or the outlet centers, et cetera. Um, you know, you, you are somewhat Amazon proof as it were, if you're a nail salon or, a you know, right. a small, a small retail establishment versus a big box retailer, right? Um, so those actually performed pretty well. I mean, setting aside that, you know, a lot of those business didn't make it through COVID, they couldn't operate through COVID, et cetera. But um, the space itself, that asset class, I think is is done pretty well every, given everything that's gone on. But you know, the markets overall are pretty strong. Um, I mean, clearly we're in a in a different time now um, with where interest rates have gone and where you know the inflationary pressures. Uh, that that's you know most sectors are experiencing, but the short answer to your question is multifamily and industrial are, are to me are the are the darlings and will continue to be the darlings. Yeah, how will uh, how is Red Oak differentiating differentiating themselves from your competitors? Um, look, it's a tough market. There is you know pre-COVID, I I did a a survey of bridge lenders, which is the space that we operate within, right? The short-term, generally speaking, transitional real estate product. Um, and uh, when we went down to MBA in, in 2020, there was 364 bridge lenders from the local hard money guys to the Blackstones and, and Starwoods of the world and everybody in between. Um, I mean, I think within the space that I was operating at that point in time, the kind of the three to $30 million space, there was almost 200. Um, so it's hard to differentiate yourself. I mean, I think the biggest way, um, and, and, and COVID wiped out a bunch of those people, by the way, but there's, there's been a lot that have come back into the market, you know, since, you know, 2021, you know, and even 2022. Um, 
how do we differentiate ourselves? So we're a, what I'll call a small balance lender, right? We're one to 15, maybe one to $20 million lender. Um, again, we're operating in smaller markets. So a lot of the core um, bridge lenders, especially the ones that are using the CLO as an execution, um, they want to stay in the larger markets, you know, the top 50 MSAs or, or, or what have you. So, you know, we're, we're gaining business or we gain business by going into these smaller markets, this, again, suburban office or retail or multifamily or, or what have you. The other way that, that we've um, kind of differentiated ourselves is that because most of the deals, if not all the deals we do, typically have a value add component to them, um, we'll stretch on the loan to cost going in, LTC going in, so long as we're still underwriting to, to a traditional um, uh, loan to add as stabilized value, right? So if I go to whatever, 85% loan to cost going in, which is pretty high, right? We're essentially providing an equity component to the borrower. We're still gonna underwrite that transaction to a 65 to 70 to 75% loan to add stabilized value. Um, and, and honestly, we just look back and what we did when you know, and I was representing life insurance companies or or banks or credit unions, right? We know the per market, so we're we're going to size our loan to make sure that a permanent lender can come in and take us out. But we'll stretch going in so long as we can make sure we're getting taken out. Because doesn't do, doesn't do me any good to make a loan if I can't get taken out of that loan, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, I think what differentiates us from all the other bridge lenders that are out there, it's not the cost of our money. Um, if you know i don't want to sell just on price that's a losing proposition so we typically sell on structure we typically sell on a little higher leverage and we absolutely sell on service right we again much like we built at money 360 we have some of the best people in the business and um not to degrade any other company that's out there right but i i've always believed in hiring very seasoned very experienced people um and, and i think that helps when you're making the loan um, you know, in the under, in the origination, the underwriting, and the closing of it, um, and it's probably as true, or maybe even more true, in the servicing of that loan, because these loans, again, are going to have ongoing construction draws. So your servicing and asset management people have to be top notch. Um, so it's great the guy got a loan from us, or the lady got a loan from us, but if they can't get a draw, so they can put a tenant in or do their rehab, what good's the money? Right. We don't set ourselves set ourselves apart with pricing. We set ourselves apart with service and and people in service and 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 how we you know interact after the loan is funded. Yeah, having the benefit of all those seasoned professionals that have been through so many different cycles and markets, and you know, kind of you know, benefiting from that over the long run, um, it's got to got to be a, a a big plus for Red Oak. You know, Gary, uh, as you know, our association, we represent both residential and commercial mortgage bankers. Yeah. And really, since the financial crisis, we've just seen this ramp up of, um, of technology on the residential side. But I really feel like in the last couple of years, I'm seeing a lot more technology for commercial real estate. Can you talk with us a little bit about how, you know, the adoption of, of technology in the commercial space is working for that side of the industry? Yeah, you know, commercial has always been slower to adopt technology, and and honestly, it it you can't ever you can never write an algorithm to do what we do, like like you can in the residential space, right? Sure. This is still a between the years business, which again is why I've always hired experienced people because they've got those years of business, uh, being in the business and and doing a lot of deals and seeing a lot of different structures, et cetera, right? Now, look, that said, I mean, when I was um, in a business many years ago, late 90s, I was a 
you know, I worked for a company called Belgravia Capital Corp. We were bought by a publicly traded company called Finova. Um, we developed really one of the first um, commercial LOSs. I mean, we did it internally and at, at substantial cost back back in the day. But that basically took all of our Excel, our Word, our, our Microsoft Access and put it all into one big platform because look, we could do it. We were a publicly traded company. We were doing you know, four or five billion dollars a year in volume. So we had the, you know, the ability to be able to do that. But I think that was the kind of the commer first commercial loan origination system, LOS, out there in the in in that space. And that system, by the way, is still around today. It's called North Shore Systems. Um, and there's been a lot of other platforms that have come into the business over the years. Um, a lot in the CMBS space, some in the commercial space. Um, but you know, they. You know, as I said, this is a between the years business. You can't build an algorithm to do this business. Technology is good in that it allows you to be much more efficient and much more transparent. Um, so that's where we utilize technology. I mean, at, at Money360, we built our own proprietary uh, technology platform called 360 Live. Um, great business. I mean, great tool, right? Made our business very efficient. Um, and we have a, a, a system here at Red Oak called Rock, Red Oak Capital Exchange. Um, but technology is not going to replace people making decisions, right? It's not going to replace the custom suit nature of a commercial real estate deal. Um, it, it, it's very helpful in making you more efficient so you have less bodies doing the same volume. Um, but it's still a between the years business. And so yeah, there's probably a dozen technology platforms out there that I've seen, been demoed, have looked at. Um, but it's it's harder to do technology within the commercial real estate space as it is in the residential space. That's a much easier proposition. Yeah, um, we use it. Everybody uses technology to some degree, but it's not ever going to replicate, you know, the gray matter between. No, the no, and yeah, that that consumer you know, the consumer lending that residential lenders do is just a different animal, but it's just as, uh, right. it's interesting to me to see, at least um, from my perspective, all of these technology companies popping up on the commercial side. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of where where they land uh, here in the industry. Yeah, I'm uh, sure we'll talk about this, we're, but we're actually gonna, I think there's a technology panel at uh, the upcoming Western States Conference, which plug for yeah. Western States, you know, yeah, not too much, not too much longer. Um, you know, I, you've always been a big believer in mentorship and giving yeah. back to the industry. I know For that's sure. why you wanted to join our leadership so you could give mm -hmm. back. Can you share with us who've been some of your mentors in your career? Yeah, you know, it's it's um, well, clearly Jim Warmington who got me into the business, and and I, it, you know, depending on the day, thank him or curse him for 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 that. Um, so I'd probably say Jim was my first mentor. Uh, my first boss in the business, um, when I started back in 86, um, I worked for the Allison Company and, and I, I uh, uh, moved down to San Diego. I was living in Orange County, moved down to San Diego and worked for a gentleman named Fritz Swinehart, who'd been in the business for you know an extended period of time. So I'd probably say Fritz was my first mentor because I literally didn't know, you know, I barely knew how many square feet in an acre, right? I didn't, I didn't know. I had no presence in commercial real estate. I learned, I had to learn the business ground up because I, again, I've been in a completely different industry. I went from the top of that field to the, you know, to the bottom of commercial real estate lending as an analyst. Um, and so Fritz, you know, really helped me learn the ropes. And, and um, yeah, I, I'd say 
he was my 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 first other than Jim and uh, and really probably my longest mentor that I had in the business and and really helped give me a better understanding of how you want to do business and how you should conduct yourself and and that's what I've tried to do through my entire career. It's always nice to look back at those people who've helped us uh, you know be successful in our careers and let us do something that we love. So well, always nice to was, think about them. I'll tell you a funny story. You know, funny not a story, um, but. So I worked for Fritz in 1986 through, I don't know, 89, uh, when I moved up to Orange County to open an office for Pacific Southwest Realty Services. And um, oh, it was 90, whatever. Um, years later, when I was with Guy Johnson at Johnson Capital, I was COO at the time, um, Fritz came to work for me, came to work for us. So full cycle, right? You never know. Yeah, full cycle. That's for sure. That's for well, sure. Well, which is again why you want to always conduct yourself. You know, it's a relationship business, as you said earlier. So you are chair of the 2022 Western States Craft Conference again, back at the beautiful Aria. Um, you want to share with the listeners a little preview of what they can expect at the conference this year? This is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I I was chair last year and and really had a lot of fun. So um, again was happy to to be able to be chair again this year you know it's um this is the largest event other than big mba in the in the country it's the biggest gathering of lenders and mortgage bankers um and what's i think it's been going on 25 years i've been going to it ever since i've been in the business susan Mm -hmm. um but i think we're gonna have a pretty good a, a pretty good agenda this year um you know as i as i just touched upon we're gonna have a technology panel which we have not had before Right. Um, and so I think that's going to be interesting. We're, we're going to do a marketing panel with what I'll call the new blood and the old blood um, of, you know, what's worked historically from a marketing standpoint. How do you get your brand out there? How do you generate deal flow? How do you, if you're a lender, how do I get my message in front of people? But also we're going to have, you know, some of the, uh, some of the younger folks that are newer in the business because they've got a different, you know, a different take on the business, right? We all use social media, but they, I mean, that's their world. Right. They know that upside and, you know, up one side and down the other. Whereas, you know, old guys like me, you know, we're more, uh, we're going to use email or we're going to use this. So I think we're going to get a good blend of, of, uh, of the two different approaches to the business that I think is going to be conducive to, to people learning. You know, we'll have our, what I'll call a kind of our, our traditional side of the business where we'll have, um, you know, Mary will come in and, and speak big macro economic picture. Um, uh, Hassan Naji has, uh, has agreed to uh to speak to us a little bit and then uh, again i'm looking forward to this as i did last year i'll have the opportunity to sit down with him um after his presentation and and do a little little fireside chat as it were um and then we'll we'll also do some panels on structured finance uh we'll do some panels on permanent finance so i think it's going to be pretty well rounded um a lot of different topics um a lot of different people sharing their views sharing their experiences so i think it's going to be great um I was really happy with the Aria last year. I mean, as much as the the, the win is is uh, was a great place, I think the Aria is actually nicer and more conducive to to this conference. It keeps everybody kind of in one spot. Yeah, so, that was a, a nice, uh, I think, a nice switch for us. And uh, we are looking forward, of course, to being back at Aria here in just a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. And you also uh, this year, uh, you've been a member of our board of directors, but this year you joined our executive board. Uh, can you share with our listeners why you volunteer your time and why you would say it's important to support the California MBA? 
Yeah, so again, this gets back to um, giving back, right? And whether I'm giving back to people within my company or people outside of my company, it's a this is and a this is a business that has given me, you know, a great opportunity and it has been very good to myself and my family. So whatever I can do to give back, whether that's you know mentoring, you know, people that are new in the business, uh, um, you know, whether that's donating my time to other organizations um, like the like the California Mortgage Bankers Association. I mean, to me, California Mortgage Bankers is the preeminent um, force in in real estate, whether it's residential real estate or commercial real estate. I mean, it's not just the conferences that we do, it's the advocacy we do, it's the it's the legal work we do up in Sacramento. Um, and so um, I was I was excited to be able to join the board, you know, a couple of years ago, Susan. I'm very excited to have been uh, and very honored, by the way, to be asked to be on the executive board. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But uh, I think the more we can give back, especially as we get deeper into our careers, um, uh, to again to an industry that's been very good to me and very good to most of the people in in the um, that are part of the California Mortgage Bankers Association. I, you know, I wish I had more time to uh, to you know to spend on it and devote to the other committees and and what have you. But um, you know, it's it really benefits our industry. I don't think people realize out there um, how much you and the other members of the of the uh, CMBA staff and our council and our our uh, legislative guys that are beating the streets in Sacramento do to further uh, our our industry and. Um, you know, and, and make it so we can actually operate. Given a lot of the roadblocks that that uh, our legislators seem to want to throw up in our in, in our uh, industry. Yeah, they're never without. Uh, they're never without a bunch of ideas. Right. <laughs> they just, unfortunately, they just don't always think them all the way through. Yeah. Well, that's us. Our our job is to educate them. So thank educate you for their attention. Like, did you really think about this? I know. I know. I know. Well intentioned, but it's like. That's not really how the industry works. Let me kind of share. Yeah, that. no. So, so to, yeah, again, I'm very excited to be both on the board now and the executive board, and um, and give back to, again to an industry that's just been great to 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 me and my family, and and um, look forward to doing it for many years to come. Excellent. Well, I I really enjoy working with you, Gary, and thank you for your you support. Well. Thanks for sharing uh, with others why they should also support the California MBA. And I will see you in just a couple of weeks at the Western States Craft Conference. Yep. I will be there. And thank you everyone for joining us on today's uh, episode of Connect. Uh, for To visit all of our, see all of our episodes, you can follow us on our YouTube channel. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time. Here we go.